You're listening to the 405 Exchange Podcast. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and today's episode is with Raleigh Ritchie. Well, his real name is Jacob Anderson, but you most likely know him as Grain Worm from Game of Thrones. Spoiler alert, this isn't about Game of Thrones at all, though. This is about his music project, Raleigh Ritchie, which is one of the most exciting music acts to be out right now. I mean, he makes this incredible blend of pop music that explores so many different genres and avenues. I mean, there's elements of like funk, there's element of garage, there's elements of dance. And I mean, I I mean, clearly a love for hip hop. It's not hip hop music, but there's a love of it there. But yeah, he just does so much. And, you know, he released an amazing album a couple years back. He's gearing up to release his second record. Uh, right before the year ended, uh, well, 2018 ended, I got the chance to link up with him ahead of a sold-out show here in Brooklyn at our Music Hall Williamsburg, and we got to catch up and talk about the recent singles he's released, being back on the road, and just what he's hoping for album two. Um, this is the first episode of 2019, uh, definitely a great way to start the new year. Um, thanks for listening, and yeah, hopefully, well, not hopefully, you will. You will enjoy this. This is the 405 Exchange with Raleigh Ritchie. Enjoy. So you've been on the road for the last few weeks and, you know, you're one of the people I enjoy following on social media because you're always very <laughs> honest about how you're feeling in that particular time. Yeah. And one of the things that really caught me with these last few weeks of you touring is that you seem to be genuinely surprised that people are even turning up to shows. I'm surprised. I'm surprised every single time. Are you? Yeah. Even, like, it's a weird thing because I say that, but, like, I can still know, like, for instance, tonight, I know that tonight is sold out. So I know people are going to come. Yeah. But... I've also, like, had tickets to shows and just been like, oh, do you know what? Like, I just need to go to bed. It's not tonight, <laughs> whatever. I know it sounds really irrational, and my brain doesn't work particularly rationally quite a lot, but but there's still a part of me that's always like, lots of people aren't going to turn up. So does that mean that when you hit the stage and you see, like, all those people, like, when you see the house lights are kind of blaring on, do you kind of think to, do you find yourself within that moment thinking, like, oh, shit, people are here? It's more, it's more like, it's just like a nice surprise. It's like seeing somebody that you haven't seen for ages and you're like, that first time you see them, like, yeah. before you say hello, you see them, like, across the room, you're like, ah, yeah. hey. But, um, but yeah, the thing is, I say that. I say that I'm surprised that people show up and it's like, actually, that's like a passing thought. And, I, like, in reality, I think I'm just, I'm surprised that when people are like, so responsive or so like I've enjoyed it yeah. so much because I'm like that was just me having fun for an hour <laughs> like you know it kind of doesn't feel like work for me I don't feel like yeah. that you know it, it kind of reminds you how like infectious fun can be in other ways yeah but, but, but also it's just like I don't know like I get to do the thing that I love doing for for my life I get to do that and I get to meet strangers and I get to like 
yeah, it is like you're saying about the infectious thing. Like I, the way I see it is, I don't want to do shows that are like I get up on stage and then sing at people. Like I, I like, I like to sort of <laughs> talk quite a lot between yeah. songs because because it feels like I feel less nervous the more I do it. I feel more like connected to the audience and to everyone that's there. That's a beautiful thing, man. There's a lot I want to ask you about your music, but before I do, I just want to bring up that. Honestly, hand on heart, I love your city, Bristol. Like, it's called <laughs> one of my favorite places in the UK whenever I go back. Or like, like, I usually go back for tours and that, and it's always great when there's a stop there. Yeah. Uh, when it came to growing up there, were you aware of the musical history of your city? Because I think that's something that gets kind of, not overlooked, but people who might not be familiar with Bristol might not know yeah, that it's a city I, rich with, like, history. Though. I, don't, I don't feel like it is overlooked, but I mean, maybe that's because I was, because I'm from there. Like, I always felt, yeah, I felt I was very aware of it when I grew up. Almost too aware of it to the point where I think I think I try and um, well, I definitely tried when I was younger to like not make like trip hop or whatever. Yeah. Like you know, I was like I don't want to. And like my dad, my dad like grew up with those people like Massive Attack and Porter's Head and all that. Like that's. Like my dad's friends or whatever, so I'm not. I never met any of them. I didn't know them growing up, but like, that's. I always think of that as like my dad's music rather yeah. than <laughs> rather than mine. Um, but it's funny. Like a lot of people would said, would sort of say to me like, "Oh, I can definitely hear like the Bristol influence in there," or like, "Yeah," and and it was like, I'm pretty sure I've been described as trip hop quite a few times I'm like where, where is that I don't hear that anyway I don't hear that at all either I, mean, no. I think the closest thing I could think of at all is that some trip hop acts have elements of like dance hall and a random song here and there yeah. like you don't really have dance hall in your music but like there is like an appreciation of like dance type of music yeah. but that's a bit of a thin stretch in itself there as well I, like, do you know what I think it might be like I talked to somebody else about this in another interview about like the culture of Bristol being kind of like do what you want culture so like definitely with music and I think that it's possible that what people are hearing is just that like when you listen to that music there's, yeah. it's quite hard to say like this is one thing this is one genre yeah it's like quite mishmash it's like take a bit from here and take a bit from there and then yeah. put them together and that's I think I do that do you so feel aware start. of that in regards to your music not like not super consciously, no. Yeah. I like I just try. I'm not try. I just I make music that I that I would want to listen to myself rather than rather than like consciously being like, oh, I need to I need to make my like I don't know. I need to, I need to make my dance hall song or I need to make my like alternative R and B song. Like I'm just I just we just play around with sounds and see what we like and. Yeah. It definitely comes across to me, and you know, going into your music, I'm curious, what did you mostly find inspiration from in, from in regards to songwriting that went into this upcoming album of yours that I imagine will be coming out eventually? Because <laughs> eventually, well, because yeah. well, like something that always baffles me, and I talk to musicians about this a lot, is yeah. that it's one thing to release an album, to make a f say, debut album, release it, and then you know make another. Mm. But I think that gap in the middle doesn't get explored enough in that element of like how your life has changed essentially. Mm. From experiencing that massively that's why like so I did it I did an EP 
like maybe a year after the first album. I think it was the end of the year my album came out, and it was called Mind the Gap. Kind of for that reason, I was like, I was like, this is this is an opportunity for me to just be like, right, where am I at now? You know, a year after the, the first album, what's changed? And I think there's probably there's probably things about that EP that sound more like what the second album's going to sound like than the first album. But there's definitely like, it's like a bridge. Yeah. I, was, I think of that EP as like my little bridge between the two albums. Yeah. And um. And uh. Yeah, that's kind of it's partly why I called it Mind the Gap. Partly just because I live in London and I just seeing it all the time. Yeah, and the two like, stations. Like, yeah, we're yeah. like doing that. We're, we're putting that together, and I just saw Mind the Gap everywhere, and I was like, oh, this is. It's exactly what this is. This is the gap. This is the bridge period. It's funny. I actually had to hear to ask you that later on, but I'll just bring it up now. Um, because I listen to that EP quite a bit. Mm. And, you know, for me as a music fan and as a fan of your music, I really enjoyed the first album, but I found myself really surprised how you're able to have a condensed body of work within an EP, but have all the songs feel full. Like, yeah. that really struck me. And, like, I still listen to that EP all the time, and, like, it really amazes me how it never feels like it takes up too much time. And it's kind of beautiful to hear you say that. You actually do feel like it is a bridge to your second album. Yeah, I'm like, I shouldn't say this, but like, I'm, I've, I've never been more proud of something like that really? I put out. Yeah, just for, that was the first time. Like when I put the album out, I was just racked with like insecurity. I was, I was just like, I have no idea how people are going to take this. I don't know what people are going to think of me. I don't know if it works completely, like, you know, I wish that I could change this or that, or like, you know, it was, it was just frantic insecurity. Yeah. But with Mind the Gap, like, putting it together and releasing it, I properly had, like, I don't think I've ever felt so confident about something. I was just like, I like this. I don't, I don't it doesn't, I don't mind if nobody likes it. I don't mind if, 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 if this takes people, like, if people's, discover this in like 30 years or, or when I'm dead or whatever then yeah. that's fine because I'm really proud of it and I feel like I don't know there's just something about like proving to myself that I could make something because sorry I'm going off on a, on a no, wild why, tangent but like no that's why we're here tangents are very <laughs> much appreciated on the show so please. I think because the first album is like by design is it's kind of not doesn't stick to like one consistent sound or type of music and that's like the person that I am and that's the that makes sense of where I was at at that point yeah but mind the gap it was really for me it was really good to know that I could do something where all of the songs kind of worked together and they bridged yeah. to to each other do you know what I mean no completely it felt like I've, I felt like oh I've made like a self-contained thing that feels like it feels like one story. No, oh, yeah, you really did. Okay. Team. I'm gonna ask you about newer music, but before I do, I close the door. Oh, I think it's quite okay. Oh, yeah, I think we'll be okay. okay. Yeah, like, uh, but before um, I start asking about new music, I really want to talk to you about uh, one of the songs off Mind the Gap that I always return to, Straight Jacket, where like that's a song where like I feel it's like you say with you're very proud of the fact that if people discover that in 30 years time, mm. but I feel like a song like that is such a gem because it's like. 
I love songs where the artist is conveying thoughts that we all have, feelings that we all have, but you never hear us vocalize them. And you really mm. achieved that in that track. But I just, it's weird. It's weird because I think like I get a sense of that when I do shows. Yeah. That like other people feel the same way, but to me, like when I write a song, I'm just I'm just writing. Like I'm the same. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like I'm just. It's just that I'm say I'm just writing down what's in my head, and 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 like I do sometimes get a thing of like being. I know that something works, or I can tell that I'm being honest when I'm slightly uncomfortable with putting that thing up. If you know what I mean, like like straight jacket scared me to put it out because I was like. Am I saying too much? Am I giving anything away about myself that's this that like leaves me vulnerable or whatever? And then and that's like that actually makes me feel like oh, well, that's exactly what I should be doing. I should be allowing myself to be vulnerable. Otherwise, what's you know what's the point? Yeah. Like, does that element like excite you? Like that aspect of like feeling a little bit apprehensive or like a little bit questioning whether you want to put something out? When it's like that, you know, clear-cut, vulnerable. It does, but it's also slightly like terrifying. Like, like I said, like it, like there's one song that I'm fairly confident will be on the next album, will be on the second album. Mm -hmm. I wrote it a few weeks ago, and I'm like, I just kept having the thought, like, there were people. That I don't want to. I don't want them to hear this. Like people close to me, that I'm like, like I'm, I'm genuinely quite scared of how people will react to the song because it's just really bluntly, brutally honest about things that I've never talked about publicly, and that's like a scary thing for me. Like I played it to my girlfriend, and she it really upset her. Um, and it upsets maybe the wrong word. She just, I think she's just like, because she knows, but she knows all this stuff about me. Yeah. And it was like, it's just a song about like childhood. It's like basically me talking to myself as a kid. Yeah. And um, yeah, like I'm, I'm scared. I'm, I'm really scared to release that song and I have to like push myself to not take it off the album for like self preservation. Because maybe, hopefully, somebody will hear that song and they'll that will like embolden them to say something out loud or to like to 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 confront something about their own childhood or their the way that they see themselves or do you know what i mean yeah well hell man now you're gonna be super keen to hear that (laughs) (laughs) no i'm i'm dying to hear that and before but you know let's go into some of the songs you have actually released you know recently you know time in a tree it's a it's quite a somber track and it doesn't strike me as the type of track someone will release after a bit of silence because i think so many people think right away they want to release a track that bangs and does all this stuff but like i love the fact they release a track where in the course of it you're taking your time how yeah, did you that's find not me yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. Wouldn't, that wouldn't be me that wouldn't be you. <laughs> well tell me how did you find yourself feeling about the song after it was completed like once it was done recorded finished how did you feel about it i'm i'm really pleased with it i like I don't normally allow myself to enjoy, like, you know, like I was saying with the album, like, I don't always allow myself to enjoy 
stuff after I've put it out. So I don't quite often I don't listen to songs really ever again once I've released them. Apart from like when I perform them. Yeah. Um. But I like I'm really proud of. I'm really proud of this of this song of that song. I feel like it's. It's a really weird song. I don't really realise how weird it was until after the fact. You know, like when we're... Di- In fact, no, that's not true. That's not true. I was with, like, I kept saying to grades, because that song was, like, normally... Sorry, I'm being very tangential and very waffly, but... No, it's okay. We um, a bit of time. We, like... We started that song and wrote the lyrics for that song in one day and then kind of put it down because I was like this, I don't really get it like I don't really I don't really fully know where this song exists now and then we listened to it the next day and both of us like kind of looked at each other and were like oh this is this is something like this 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 can exist I mean like, we did a bit of tweaking on it but I think it was just the chorus thing just it was like it's just so weird. This it is like it's like a Nat King Cole kind of thing, but then mixed with and and like the, ver- the first verse and the second verse don't match. Like it's not, it's not a um, it's not a kind of like a traditionally structured song. No, not by any means. It kind of reminds me of something maybe most deaf would do even. That's oh, I, like, I like that. I'll take that. Yeah, take it. <laughs> Yeah, I, no, I, I'm really proud of that song. God, who's probably made a YouTube video of theories? Like, no, I know. No, but the, the thing is, is I am really like, I do care about that. Like, I every video that I've done since Stronger Than Ever, something happens at 1:49. Really? Yeah, 1:49 exactly in the video, something weird happens. If you go back and look at every single one of my videos, I think apart from the greatest. What's something weird happens and there's a bench yeah. Time in the Tree is the, probably the first video without a bench in it alright yeah what's it to the ironically given that it's a bet you would find a bench in a park yeah <laughs> what's the significance of the time signature at 149 like? I, well it was something that we did in, in the Stronger Than Ever video it's like you can see there's a point where you can see through somebody's legs yeah yeah and you can see like what I actually look like from the outside and that all of the stuff in the video is going on in my head. Mm-hmm. And um, and after that, I quite, and, and people started to notice it on YouTube. And then it, just from then it was like, let's do that. <laughs> let's just do that in every video. It was like an, a nice point. And it, weirdly, in a lot of the songs that I've done, it kind of... It's like magic thing happens where at exactly that point in the video yeah. something already kind of naturally is falling at that point. Well, I like to put little Easter eggs and stuff in my videos. But that the the significance of myself I guess is just like I I feel like a very different person to who I was when I released a more in like twenty was that 15? 14, 15? Yeah, around. When then. was it, George? James? George? <laughs> <laughs> George, 2013. 2013. Oh, shit. Yeah, so there you go. That's so, mad. 2013, I'm a different person. Um, and, and 
yeah I, I have to watch the video again because I can't remember why <laughs> I, like sometimes I listen back to songs and I'm like oh that was quite clever <laughs> and I don't remember I don't remember doing it no that's alright I only have a couple more questions for you but I want to take uh, time to say thanks for taking time to chat I really do appreciate it's it my pleasure dude I'm sorry I'm, I feel bad I feel like I'm like I'm, I'm just sort of rambling on but no well, that's why you're here though that's, what, <laughs> that's essentially like the whole purpose of this like but um, you know Going to another new song you released, Me, Myself, and I, I mean, you know what really got me with this one is that, like, I remember, like, 30 seconds in, I was like, is he trying to almost do, like, a club song? Because it probably feels like <laughs> the closest you're going to get to having, like, a clubby song. Yeah. But tell me, did, this, did the inspiration for this one come from how, over the last few years, club songs, in a way, have become more confessional? Not, like, just that, that you know, exact thing, but the fact that you can have a song that's, like, poppy and a song that people can dance to, but, like, the actual lyrics can be very revealing. Like, is that something you found yourself thinking about at all? I, like, I, like, I do that so much. <laughs> I've done it with loads of my songs. Like, the greatest, for instance, is, in my, like, the way I see it, I've always seen it, is that's, like, a really sad song. I, for me, the significance of that song is really devastating can i tell you why i agree with that because yeah. i remember the first time i heard that song it sounded very like boisterous and very like kind of like proud but then the more times i listened to it it almost i almost felt like i heard twinges of doubt within the way you were singing it yeah no it's, it's like complete in that song's all about like insecurity about like not being afraid like or not sorry it's, it's about being afraid that you're gonna be alone and they're like you know basically all of my friends from school I'm not in touch with anymore and like I had that realisation the day that I was writing that song and was like sad <laughs> it made me really sad and so like so I wrote that song to lift myself out of the mood I was like right I want to write like a, a song that remembers the best the best points of that of those friendships yeah. whilst also reflecting on it and and yeah there's, there's like there's, there's a lot of lines in that song that are really <laughs> sad but, to me uh, but you know you bring that up because I guess you'd say me myself and I is pretty much within the same spirit of that yeah yeah I love like I, I love mixing I love uh, like dichotomy and I love like I, I love things that contradict each other you know like I I've, I think since the beginning I've always either written like I mean it's rare that I've written kind of like light songs lyrically but like to mix kind of dark and light and, and hopefully even songs that are really sad like there's I, I like to have like a sense of humour about myself yeah. when I can it's been noticed and, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, yeah I, like there's this really good thing that, I, that somebody said that somewhere at some point I'm probably going to quote them incorrectly but it's like <laughs> finding there's there's like a lot of tragedy and comedy and a lot of comedy and tragedy yeah like, like, I, think I that like is to the find yeah. I like to find those things I like to find the comedy and tragedy and find the tragedy and comedy and then and try like mix yeah. those things together yeah. um, and me myself and I is definitely an example of that it's like it's a really like I've been saying it on, and on tour occasionally that like it's that song is is really meta because it's like a really self-aware song about having no self-awareness whatsoever. Yeah. Um, 
And I like, yeah, I like doing stuff like that. But also, it's not always intentional. Otherwise, <laughs> Sometimes it just out. comes out and I'm like, I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know, before I let you run here, um, you know, one of the biggest things that's happening next year is Stormzy is headlining Glastonbury. Yeah. That is fucking amazing. It um, is fucking amazing. It is. And you know, it's funny because online you see a lot of people obviously having their opinions, whether it be positive or negative. You see mm. people giving their takes. But I really wanted to bring this up to you because, you know, as a fellow black man that's been raised in the UK, I mm-hmm. mean, just the historical significance of some of that even happening, it's yeah. very important. And, like, I know you and him are mates, and I would just love to hear your thoughts on this because, I mean, who would have, like, like, when I saw that, it was immediately I thought, like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. And my brain flooded with why it does. And I feel like maybe you feel similar, and I would just, like... As in you had, you had the the thought crossed your mind that, that it doesn't make sense for like half a second and I think yeah. a lot of that has to do personally for me I'll talk for myself I think a lot of it has to be growing up there and like it, it you have to arrive at a point for me because I don't want to speak for you but for me I felt like I had to arrive at a point where I could feel proud of my blackness mm-hmm. where it, it wasn't something that I saw so openly celebrated in the 90s or even the early 2000s and now it's a lot more prevalent but I feel like seeing some like stormsy headlines, it's important because like I think about people who will go to Glastonbury, especially people who go for the first time, and they won't have that idea of it being like a predominantly white thing. Hopefully, well, people do have that. Like that idea is like permeates through British history, like and British music history. You know, like I not not to make this about me. I'm gonna I will answer what you're saying about stormsy, but like. I had trouble, like, with the fact that it's, I'm quite a hard artist to categorise. And there's some, some like, of the more... I've always put myself as, like, I think I'm pop because I'm not tribal. So I think of myself as a pop artist. But people... I get called a rapper all the time. And it's, like... <laughs> it's, it's because it's, like, it's, there's a cognitive dissonance that people get. Yeah. Because they're like, there's there's white music and there's black music. Exactly. If you're black, you make black music, and that's all you do. And I'm proud, like, I'm happy. If, if someone says I make black music, then that makes me happy. I'm proud of that. But I don't like... I, th- I think the Stormzy thing, it's the same thing with Jay-Z and with Kanye West. It's like people's minds just... There's like something gets thrown in the cog, and people are like, uh, uh, what? No, that's not... It's a rock festival, and rock... Rock is, is, is white guys with, with guitars, and that's all it can be. It's all it's allowed to be. And and it's really sad, because... Not with this in particular, but I get the same thing sometimes, where I'm like, oh, no, that, that can't happen, because we don't get taught, like... We don't get taught our, our British history. We don't... I've, I've been, like, reading a lot this year about black British history, and it's really rich. We have a really rich, wonderful history that we're never told about in school. Yeah, especially your and home city, like. Yeah, 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 Bristol, definitely. Um, but I think that that's, that's, that was kind of what was inevitable and really shit and upsetting about some of the reactions to Stormzy being a headliner. Because actually, it often comes from people that have no idea what Stormzy's like live. Yeah. Stormzy is amazing life. Like, his energy is... is more than a lot of people that headline Glastonbury. People that have recently headlined Glastonbury. No shade. I'm not going to say no, names, no, no, but no. like, you know, it's more acceptable. <laughs> the other people might be more acceptable. And I think it is just that, like, 
deeply embedded thing. It's that it's that insidious British racism that that is still still hangs there. Like we don't. It wouldn't be strange for Stormzy to headline Coachella. Yeah. But it would be. It is strange for Glastonbury, and I think that's because England is still. It has like racism sewed into its clothes and and so news like that has to be a shock before it can be celebrated and he will kill it he will he will kill it and people will eat their words and people will say that they always thought he was going to kill it yeah. did you text him after you saw the announcement like were you just kind of like man because I mean I imagine no I think I sent him loads of fire emojis on, <laughs> on, on Instagram <laughs> um but yeah, I'm really happy for him. I think I think he's amazing. I I like. Yeah, it makes me really happy. I think it is a, it's a step in the right direction on the programming yeah. side of things. But yeah, hopefully we can break through. Yeah. That that you know the perception of it. Yeah. You know, right before I hit stop on the quarter, there's one thing I knew I had to bring up to you. Can mm. you please tell people about the tour support you just had in the UK? Because she is. Sasha, Sasha, yeah, Sasha there's definitely Keeble. some Americans and Canadians who might not be familiar with her, and I really uh, think people should know about her. Sometimes. I really, I wish that we could have brought her on, like, to the American part of the tour. She's amazing. She is like, she has one of the best voices in the UK, in my opinion. It's like rich and and honest and amazing. She writes about real shit, and she you can just tell that she means every word she sings and she's like she's a good egg she's she's like she's a hard worker and she's like honest about about her what she perceives as her failings and like that is something I really respond to in in other artists is when I feel like they're letting me in on something like like what you were saying before about like straitjacket like when you when somebody says something that you've, you you'd be too afraid to say it out loud. I think she's about that. I'm just I'm really excited for her and about her and yeah, I just think she's awesome. And and US, Canada, whoever's reading this, get there now. Like like type in Sasha Keeble now. And, and listen to her because she's awesome and you want to be you want to get there before she blows up mate thanks so much <laughs> thanks again for being part of this I really do appreciate thank you it. my pleasure of course I, I, I just